Dude, just awesome. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Come on, welcome to Believer's Chapel, man. We're really thankful that you are here. And uh, man, just a, a, a few things, man. Yesterday I had the privilege to go to Houghton University, now University, Houghton University, no longer Houghton College because now they're like up their game, man. They're like professional. It's Houghton University and went and saw the Highlanders women's volleyball team. Smoke, Kayuka. It was amazing. It was great, right? We got a couple of the players here and just, it was great to be in the stands. Stands were kind of full and it was just, it was awesome. It was like the Clark family took up like 15 rows. It was amazing. Um, but it was truly awesome to be on, on the campus and, and uh, seeing the girls volleyball team, the women's volleyball team do so well. And uh, just props to you guys, man. You guys crushed it. And that was, I mean, they played Cayuca. If you know anything about Cayuca, they were an all-girls school. And I had this thought, and I was talking to one of the gentlemen sitting next to me, had this thought, it's an all-girls school up until 1985. And if you're a dude and you go to Cayuca in 1985, your chances are pretty good. Like, like if you can't find a wife, you got issues, bro. Like, I don't know what to tell you, but the percentage is like 15, 25 to 1. Like, I don't know, dude, your odds should be pretty good. But I was just, it was the, that was what I thought, like in 1985, man, Kayuka. But anyways, it was uh, great volleyball, great games. Um, it was awesome. Got to give props to the Buffalo Bills last week. You smoked our Steelers. Steelers are struggling. They're just, they just are hurting right now. And uh, I got to give props. You guys totally, I, I lost a couple lunches last, I did, it was a bummer. But uh, I was expecting a little bit more. But um, they just struggled. In the Steel Listen, at least we're the Steelers fan. We could say, hey, we're struggling. We stink this year. Bills fans could never, ever say that. Like, you guys, oh, it's going to be our winning year. It, it wasn't ever going to be. But um, <clears throat> I think you guys are going to handle the Chiefs convincingly. I see we have a Green Bay Packers fan. I don't even know what that is over there. But yeah. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> you great. Come on, let's pray. Man, today is, is I want this to be um, direct. I want this to be right right in front of us today, and I want us to, to swallow this, man. I want you to get this today, because today we continue with, with our, our series on reality check, and I want this uh, today, man. I want us to feed on his word. We're going to go in his word in several different places. There's two parts to this message. One is the reality check. The big idea is this, that life matters. The reality check, your life matters, and there's two parts of this. Number one, life matters in the womb. We are, we are a people who believe that it is God Almighty who created life in the womb. We stand firm, strong against abortion, against killing a, uh, this amazing gift and child within the womb. Uh, we believe that that is God's precious, beautiful gift given uh, from a seed of a man to a woman. And that amazing seed at conception gives life in a womb, and we believe that that life matters. So reality check, we believe that God Almighty created life in the womb, and, and it has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with man and their ideas and science and blah, blah, blah. It has to do with the Word of God and God's created order that when a seed takes place within a woman, there is life there, and that is a God-given reward, and that is precious, and that is beautiful. And number one, life matters in the womb, but watch this, watch this. Life matters outside the womb. Like life begins in the womb, but it's lived outside the womb. So yes, number one, we believe that life begins in the womb. And number two, we believe that you as a born-again believer in Christ, your life matters so much so that you have to walk in a way in your life to say, God, to you be the glory in and through my life. Because watch this, watch this. If you really believe my life matters as a Christian, my life matters. Why? Because people need Jesus. 
When we really begin to dive once again into evangelism and once again into the reality of people need Christ, people need salvation, people need Jesus. If there's people that you know that that have passed away that don't know Christ, it is sad, but it is true that they live a life of an eternity in a place called hell and damnation. People need Jesus. Today's society is broken. It's cracked. It's messed up. People need Jesus. And our lives are a reflection of Christ to be in such an evangelistic way to say, my life matters, my life matters so much so that I want to live, catch this, because you're going to hear this through the whole message today, my life matters so much so that I now live my life, watch this, here it is, for the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the gospel. Church, what would happen as we see today this term that, that Paul put into, put into words for us, that he lived his life for the sake of the gospel for the sake of the gospel. What happens if you get up in the morning and say, today I live my life for the sake of the gospel? How would that rearrange on what we're doing at work, what we're doing at the grocery store, what we're doing at Tim Hortons, what we're doing in our marriage? What if you lived your marriage for the sake of the gospel? It truly wasn't just and about you. We think marriage is great for a husband and wife. The Bible says, well, it's a representation of Christ in the church. It's way bigger than you are. It's bigger than you think it is. Uh, it really is about Christ in the church. We're doing a marriage series through November. I can't wait to get into that. But when you, when you see, uh, even in your marriage, what happens if you put aside all the stupid little stuff and say, you know what? We need to get right on this for the sake of the gospel. Man, I want to live my life for the sake of the gospel. It is my goal today that we just have a reality check in our heart and our spirits and say, okay, what am I doing for the sake of the gospel? And if I live my life not in that mindset that people need Jesus and the way I live my life matters because it's a reflection of Christ and it can draw people to the goodness of God, then I need to rearrange the different things on how I live. This is one of those messages that I hope it just uh, just challenges us in such a way today, a true challenge today to say, man, how do I need to change to live my life that is for the gospel? Because it matters. Because people need Jesus. We live a short life, church. The Bible says it's a breath, it's a vapor, it's here, it's gone. And what you do in the middle of that, it matters, it matters, it matters. I mean, we, we, two parts to this. Number one, life begins in the womb, but yet life is then lived outside the womb. My dad, I'd grown up in the house. My dad, I'd hear him on the phone talking to people, and he, and he would just simply ask him a question that would just be like, ah, woo, I get it, okay. And he would just simply say, are you living or existing? Just because you breathe doesn't mean you're living. John 10, Jesus says, I, want to, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. That means here and now. That's not the heavenly pattern. That's right here, right now, life abundantly. Life with overflowing. Life that is full. That's not talking about your bank account. That's not talking about your finances. That is a worldwide statement for those who, who truly love Jesus and live in a hut that I have seen and many of you have seen. They live in a hut across the, the, the world and third world countries. They love Jesus with everything in them and they got 10 people that, that, that live in a house the size of your bedroom. Listen, living a life of abundance, that's not, that's not your prosperity. That's not your cash flow. That's not your bank account. That's you on the inside going, man, I am good and I am living this life that is full and I'm living this life that is complete and I'm living this life that is full. I'm living this life that is abundant, that is overflowing. Why? Because my life matters and your life matters. But life truly does begin 
in the womb. And I want, I want to look at this. Come on, Psalm 139, please. If you would turn with me, please, to Psalm 139. I want you to see this. Father, I just pray over this, that we would hear this today, that, God, we would dive into this. We would focus. We'd dial in. God, I ask that you would speak, uh, speak to us from your word today. God, your word is alive and powerful. And, Father, if we grasp this, God, if we get this today, God, if we would have uh, the eyes of our heart enlightened today, God, that you would speak to us from your word. Father, we ask that you would move in this place in such a way. God, I ask that you would move in our region again. God, that we would see families come to you. We would see lives change. We'd see husbands turn to you. We'd see wives turn to you, children turn to you. God, we would see a mighty work in the lives of family. We'd see a mighty work in our region again, that God, there will be many who are going to turn to you, many who are going to have life change, many who are going to be born again. Father, we would see it. God, we would see your mighty hand work again in our region. We thank you for it. God, let it start here. Let it start with us as we want to reach this region with the gospel. For the sake of the gospel, we exist as a church. And God, I thank you that you can do a mighty work in this place. You can do a mighty work in our region through your people, through this church and the people of this church. God, help us to know our part. Help us to do our part and fulfill our part and to live in such a way that is honorable to you winning those who were lost for the sake of the gospel. God, move on us again today. In Jesus' name, come on, amen? Amen. You know, we, we, we look at just different things, even in our own lives, and this is coming out of a, you know, a, this kind of three-week to a month personal journey for me is just, I, I, the Lord has really just put some things in my heart saying, Sean, why are you doing so many other church things during the week in the mornings? I know it wasn't his voice, this is just my heart. And I'm just like, I'm just, I get busy sometimes with things church-wise in mornings, and that's my study time, and that's my time of worship. That's my time of praying and seeking God, and it's my time of, of diving into the Word of God. And for some time, I've started to go through the New Testament page by page, and it's chapter by chapter, going through the epistles and going through the letters that Paul wrote. And I'm just like, man, this is, I need to get really more dialed in and more targeted for where I believe Believer's Chapel is going and the things that we are going to do in Jesus' name to build his kingdom. Man, I need to get dialed in even more. And even in that, I'm like, okay, there was something that came across these pages over and over and over through the New Testament that was for the sake of the gospel. Paul lived for the sake of the gospel. I mean, I tell you, you know, we need to be a people who will pray. We need to be a people who are going to seek God. We need to be a people who just not pray over our Cheerios, man. We got to be a people who are praying for our region and praying for people and praying that God Almighty, creator of the heavens and the earth, is going to move again and on this region and that lives will never be the same and families are going to turn to him and children are going to turn to him. We are believing that God will allow us one day to have 200 kids every single Sunday here in this church. We've got the building he's given us. We've got the amazing unbelievable kingdom kids ministry that is thriving. He's given us the leadership over there. He's given us the volunteers over there. It's stunning. And we're praying, God, would you fill it with 200 people? Because that is a move in our area that that means families. That means dads and moms and brothers and sisters coming to the house of the Lord. Well, Sean, are you just about numbers? No, man, I'm about the gospel getting out to people. I am one who says, do I want to preach to five people, 10 people, 500 people or 5,000 people? 
I want to see 5,000 people in this area move in such a way that they are living a life for Christ. Listen, we live in a, in a country kind of area, but people need Jesus in our area. And if I am doing my job to equip you to do the work of the ministry, which is my responsibility, do I want 10 people to do that or do I want 1,000 people to do that? Do I want 50 people to do that or do I want 5,000 people to do that? What happens? What happens when this church, for the sake of the gospel, just explodes? And you see second service. Second service is in good shape. I want this place standing room only. Why? For the sake of the gospel. That means people are hearing truth. People are receiving Christ. People are learning the truth of God's word. People stand their ground for what is right and true according to God's word. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. And man, I want us as people to say, okay, it's time to do a shift. And to say, okay, where is my life? If my life truly, really matters for the sake of the gospel, what do I need to rearrange? And when you see that your life began in the womb because God made it and God created you there, that's where life begins. Look at this, Psalm 139, verse 13, it says this, For you formed me in my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, and I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. And there's this word made, and it's just, we're going to focus on this word for just a couple minutes. You see throughout Scripture, he made the heavens and the earth. We see that he is the God of all creation, power and might, and he made everything that we see in the same way the Bible says he made you. And he created you for a plan and for his purpose for his good works, that he has created you for a purpose. And when you begin to see this, I love what he says, God, you formed my inward part. You wove me in my mother's room. I will give thanks to you. I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. Here it is, for my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. You see this all throughout Old Testament. You see this New Testament. He, uh, uh, Ephesians 2.10 said that you are God's handcraftsmanship. That God has handcrafted you together. Jeremiah says, I knew you in your mother's womb. I named you in your mother's womb. There's so much to the scripture that is, listen, please hear me. You've got to get past the politics on abortion. You've got to get past the politics on free choice. Uh, you've got to get, get past the politics on pro-life. You've got to get past the politics of, of when you see that it is God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth, that his, 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 his wisdom and his knowledge is beyond anything that we could fathom or imagine. And yet sometimes we listen to the pea brain mankind to think like they actually know something that God doesn't know. Church, we have to have a reality check on the truth of the horrible, horrible, horrible evil. The evil of what abortion really is. And to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, God, if you have created life in the womb, who are we to take it? God, if you've created the male and female body to come together be fruitful and multiply. And a seed is planted. God, who are we to kill that seed? Church, what happens when you see, and my soul knows it very well. What happens when in your soul you begin to see, God, wait a minute, you're the one who created and you're the one who made. And we truly, firmly, strongly believe that life begins in the womb. Man doesn't have the opportunity to take that life. And when you know that, you can just quickly, like, like a windshield wiper, just 
clear all the politics out like a windshield wiper, right? You just hit the windshield wiper for your political views and things. You say, and stick to the script. This is who we are. Like when you want politics to get in the way, get in your car and turn on the windshield wipers and just be reminded, let's just clean all that out. The heck with all the politics and all the nonsense. And let's get back to what the Bible says. If you want to see God do a move in our area, we have to stand firm on his word. And God will move in such a powerful way. Time is short, church. I believe this. Time is short. Jesus could come any moment. And we await his beautiful return. What are we doing in the meantime? We can't play games with this. Right? You look at Psalm 119, 73. This is beautiful. I want you to see this. Another beautiful place that talks about uh, that, that your hands have made me. God, I am handcrafted. God, it was your hands that made me and fashioned me. I love this. It's your hands that made me and fashioned me. Fashioned me means that you put me together. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. I love this. God, if I, here it is though. Here, here's, here's the switch. God, if I really believe that you handcrafted me, it was your hands that made me, you fashioned me, you, you made me complete. God, that was your doing. If I get that, then God, I need to know this. There's more to just being born. There's a life to live. And if I know that, God, I want, I want to have an understanding. God, open my eyes to see, now that I know that I'm yours, that you made me, that you fashioned me, that I have a purpose, and God, I have a destiny. Give me the understanding that, God, I want to know your commandments. I want to know your word so I can fulfill it. Listen, reality check is this, that life really does matter, and your life really does matter. That you say, God, I get it, man. You created me. You made me. You formed me in my mother's womb, and there's a purpose, and there's a plan for that, and God, you have given me a destiny. This isn't that, that warm and fuzzy, oh, everybody has a destiny. No, this is the reality. Is, is for the sake of the gospel, I can take my hits. For the sake of the gospel, I can be persecuted. For the sake of the gospel, man, I can live a life that isn't about me. For the sake of the gospel, I will find what it is to have grace. For the sake of the gospel, I will forgive. For the sake of the gospel, I will live my marriage because it is a light to those who are lost and broken. For the sake of the gospel, what happens every morning if you put for the sake of the gospel, dot, dot, dot? Would you find a way to find forgiveness for the sake of the gospel? Would you find a way to show grace for the sake of the gospel? When you know people are watching Man, what makes you so different? What makes you, why do you walk in such a kind way? Why do you, man, you should be angry. You should be upset. You should be mad. And when, what happens when you find grace? What happens when there's forgiveness? What happens when you work out your marriage for the simplicity of for the sake of the gospel? Because, because people need Jesus and my life matters for the gospel's sake. Just what happens when first we see, okay, God, you created life in the womb. And to take that life is evil. Because that life had a purpose for God. And if I know that your hand made me and I know that you fashioned me, that you put me together, God, I want an understanding of your word. Psalm 100, verse 3. If you could put that up, please. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he. Know that the Lord himself, like he is God. It's he who what? You have made us and not we ourselves. 
We are his people and the sheep of his pastures. Listen, it's God. Know that the Lord himself is God. It's not man. It's God. God himself. God all-powerful. God all-knowing. God all-present. God, the one and only true living God. God, he's the one who made us and not we ourselves. When you, when you say, okay, Lord, I need, I need to rearrange some things here. I need to realize, man, I came from you, that you are the one who created me. Life in the womb, because God designed and created the male and female body to do what it's called to do. It's amazing. It's, it's incredible. It's beautiful. But that's life in the womb. And God, that's on you. You're the one who did that, God. You made us. And now that we are living this life, I need to live it according to the gospel. Church, what happens when this becomes a reality for you. Number one, life matters. It matters in the womb. Number two, life matters because it has to be a life that's lived for the sake of the gospel. Come on, turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want you to see this. Because I want us as adults and I want us as young adults and I want us as as just even, I know that even young people, I want us as even children, even in, what I love about Kingdom Kids is there is this foundation that is being laid for the Word of God in Kingdom Kids. It's beautiful. And then, and then in here, whether it's teenager, whether it's a college student, whether it's a, a young adult, whether you're in an adult state and you're not married, or whether you are married and you're living your life with your kids and your grandkids or your great-grandkids or whatever that looks like, that you say, okay, wait a minute, what am I doing for the sake of the gospel? Watch this. Please hear me, young people. Do you date for the sake of the gospel? It matters how you date. It matters when you are in a male-female relationship in that dating relationship. It matters because people are watching. Are you doing it according to a biblical standard? Are you walking in a way to stay pure in your dating relationship? Let me speak to the men for just a minute. For the sake of the gospel, keep your hands off that girl. Gentlemen, it's on you to keep her clean. I say this all the time in my pre-marriage coaching. Gentlemen, it's on you. You're the, you're the man. You need to be strong. You need to keep your hands off the lady. Ladies, put some clothes on. And I mean that. Like you want to walk around in your bikini all day long and say, you can't touch me? Yeah, good luck with that. Like I'm not against bikinis. Hear me on this. You got to understand what I'm saying. Make it easier for the dude, right? Come on, work with me. Like all the men should say to the girls, you got to work with me a little bit. Because I like you, and I think you're beautiful. I need you to work with me a little bit, right? Like, don't make it so easy. Like, work with me. It's my responsibility to keep my hands off you. But, ah, give me some grace, man. Help me out. Like, I believe that, right? I believe that. But what happens when you say, you know what? For the sake of the gospel, we need to keep this thing clean. For the sake of the gospel, people are watching how we do this because we proclaim to be born-again believers in Christ, and we want to make a difference like young people have the ability to impact and make a difference. You high school students, you have the ability to impact and make a difference. You college students, you have the ability to impact and make a difference now for the sake of the gospel. People need Jesus. People need Jesus. Look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul says this right in verse 23. He says this, I do all things for the sake of the gospel. I love it. He just spells this out for us. I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. 
Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. I love where Paul is putting athletics into, into the word here, right? I love how Paul is like, all right, taking a, a synopsis of what's happening in his day. Like they had their type of Olympics. They had their type of running race. They had their type of Coliseum events, and they were really big deals. Right, So when he's writing this, people are understanding, okay, it's a big deal. And Paul is equating this to a race that needs to be run, going, okay, how am I running this race? I need to be, for the sake of the gospel, in this race, and i got to give it all I got. That's what Paul's saying here. For the sake of the gospel, i got to give it all I got. And I love this. Look at this. Right? Verse 23, for I do all things for the sake of the gospel. Verse 26, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize, run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. Then they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we imperishable. That's talking about a crown of righteousness. That's talking about when we, when we get to heaven, this is an imperishable work that we're doing. It's not going to perish. Therefore, I run in such a way, not as without Aim. I box in such a way, not as just beating the air. He's like, listen, I'm dialed in. I'm focused. Paul says, I do this very much on purpose. I don't just run and have nowhere to go. I got purpose. I don't just box and air box. No, I've got purpose in what I'm doing. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying for the sake of the gospel, this is what he's simply saying is I'm dialed in. I'm focused. What I do, watch this is on purpose. Can we say that? Man, what I'm doing right now is very much targeted and on purpose for the sake of the gospel. Can you say that? Are you going to college for the sake of the gospel that you know that God has called you? Maybe you have a gift and you know it, man. I love this. So when your gift uh, matches uh, the call that God has for you and you understand my desire and my gift, man, they come together and that's for the gospel's sake, right? When I know that God has given me, we have these amazing teachers here throughout Believer's Chapel. They have a, a, a truly spiritual gift to teach and that matches their desire so they get to go to work and love work. Man, they, we have administrators here in this church. We have CEOs. We have principals and vice principals of schools. We have those who own their own businesses. And you've got this spiritual gift of administration. And that is your desire and you love it. And it's not difficult to go to work. You're like, man, this is my heart. This is what I do. But is it for the sake of the gospel? Because the gift matches the desire and it's just easy. I loved, loved going to work as a full-time cop. And I loved it. I loved going to work. I loved, I loved doing what God called me to do in that season of my life. I loved being on the SWAT team. I loved being on my undercover team. But there was a point where, where I really knew I need to work with a youth group. I gave up that which was undercover to do working with teenagers in a youth group. And I knew that that was so hard for me. That was just stage one. That was stage one to give up that which I truly loved and was good at. Still full-time cop. Just to do Wednesday night youth. I couldn't do both. What happens when you say, for the sake of the gospel, I'll even give up something that I love because people need Jesus. And then it was even more tough to lay down the cuffs full time. I still do part time in Allegheny, but to lay down the police 
full time. I loved it. I, I did not have a bad day at work. I loved going to be with the guys. The guys were amazing. Ole MPD was my house, man. I loved being in my house. I loved being with my family, my men and women in blue. I loved going to work and it was great. But then God called me to full time ministry. I'm like, ah, this was like the struggle and it was tough. And it was like, ah, but man, when it came down to the, for the sake of the gospel, you can make that change. Sometimes, church, when you stay where Paul is for the sake of the gospel, that might mean sacrifice. That might mean giving up something for the sake of the gospel. What happens if we forgive when you don't want to? What happens when you show grace when you probably shouldn't in the world's eyes? What happens when you lay down yourself in marriage and you fix it for the sake of the gospel? What happens when you look at where Paul was? Let's go back to verse 19, please. He says this, For though I am free from all men, I've made myself a slave to all so that I may win more. It's about the gospel. It's about the lost. People need Jesus. People need Jesus. When you're in the grocery store, whether you're, whether you're at Tim Hortons, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, whether you're in the neighborhood, is I want this to, to play over your, and again, I, man, this is just something that has been reignited in my soul again, just really going through, going through uh, the New Testament, going through these epistles, it's just been ignited in me, saying, Sean, what are you doing for the sake of the gospel? We have this amazing church, and I, today is great, and I do appreciate pastor appreciation, and I mean that. I love that. I feel honored, Renee and I both. This is, this is the best place on the planet for me. This is the most amazing church, truly with the greatest people. It is you that make this so good. It is the people of this church that make this so good. It truly, when I say it's a privilege and an honor, it is a privilege and it is an honor. And I am stoked to be the pastor of this amazing work with these amazing people. But there is just something igniting in me saying, okay, what about the gospel? Where's the sacred? We come up and we preach and it's amazing. I believe that and the, and the word is going out and many are being saved. We saw 50 people be baptized. That's amazing. We're actually working on maybe possibly doing a baptism up here, maybe in the stage or something permanent over against the wall that we can do more baptisms. We must do more baptisms through the year. I'm one who grew up and I got baptized at like 11. I think I was 11 years old. And we had the old school baptistry. You know, when you had to walk up, there was like a secret room and you came out of the secret room and you walked down in and the glass was in front. You could just kind of see everything. It was a little weird. And then you got baptized and everyone could see you being dunked under the water and you walk out and you're like, ha, that was an experience. Ours will not be glass, I promise. But, um, you remember it, and it's something where people see it, and then we have to give a testimony. We share a mic and say, this is my story. Jesus Christ saved my life, and this is what it means, and I love the testimony. We can't do that when you baptize 50 at a time. It's going to be set to worship. It's going to be amazing, and we want to get back to a place that God has blessed Believer's Chapel in such a way, such a powerful way, that we have the ability to win this region. Church, I'm telling you, People need Jesus. And we as a church, as Believer's Chapel, look around. God has blessed us. 
God has blessed these grounds. He's blessed this church. We will be a church who holds firm to the Word of God. We will be a church who understands God's truth. There's only two teams. There's only two eternities, heaven or hell, God or Satan. We get it. It's only through the cross. It's only Jesus Christ. We hold to the truth of God's Word in all issues, and we're going to see God do a mighty work, but we've got to pray, and we got to believe, and we got to live in such a way for the sake of the gospel. I want to win colleges. I want to win more Houghton. I want to win more Bonaventure. I want to win more Pitt Brad. I want to get JCC. I want to go after these college-age kids that are just being lied to every single day. For the sake of the gospel, they need Jesus. Your neighbors need Jesus. The people you work with need Jesus. We can get so in tune to ourselves that we just miss for the sake of the gospel. I'm willing to lay myself down willing to forgive. I'm willing to keep my mouth shut. Sometimes, you know, the inside wants to come out and sometimes you just got to just shut up, dude. Just shut up. For the sake of the gospel, keep your stinking mouth shut. Can we do that? Because this is where Paul was. Verse 19, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win more. To the Jews, I became a Jew so that I might win Jews. To those who were under the law as under the law through not being myself under the law as the Gentiles so that I may win those who are under the law. To those who were without law as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ so that I may win those who were without law. And to the weak, I became weak that I may win the weak. And I became all things to all men so that I may by all means save some. For I do all things for the sake of the gospel. I run in such a way. I box in such a way. That's very much on purpose. It's very much dialed in. I love where Paul is in this. There's sacrifices to be made for the sake of the gospel. Financially, do you give for the sake of the gospel? We are a blessed church, and we are so grateful for that. But do a, do a, do a search in your spirits. Am I giving, truly giving out of a heart that says for the sake of the gospel? Davis Chapel is doing a work in this region, church. We want to win as many people as we possibly, possibly can win. Come on, Philippians 2, please. Philippians chapter 2, just a little more on this. Philippians 2, verse 12, it says this. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That now this and this is many would use this as a works-based salvation. Many would use see you gotta work it out. You gotta work to be saved. And that's that is an absolute heresy. That is a lie. You are saved by faith through grace. That's it. Because Jesus Christ loved you 
died for you, put himself on a cross for you, that we would come to know him in a very real way because of his sacrifice for us, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, yet Jesus Christ died for us, and it's only through him, on the basis of God's grace, because of our faith, trusting in him, it is not your works. When the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, this is referencing to our maturity, this is referencing to our spiritual growth, this is referencing to us understanding what it is to persevere, what it is to push through, what it is to endure. This is us going, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mature in my faith. I'm going to mature in my salvation. I'm going to grow in my salvation. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to endure. I'm going to walk through this. This isn't a works-based verse. This is a verse that says it's time to grow up and it's time to mature. Watch this. For it is God who is at work in you. For it is God who is at work in you. It is God who is, because we're not working out our salvation, because we get this, it means to mature. It means to grow. It means to persevere. It means to get through. And it's God, because of working it through, it's God who works in us. I love that. It's God who's worked in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God is doing a work in you but it's for him. God is doing a work in you, but it's for him. When we see this, it might just rearrange some different things in our lives. God, you're doing a work in me, but it's for your good pleasure. God, you're doing a work in me, but it's for you. Do all things without grumbling and complaining so that you will, watch this, you will prove yourself to be blameless, innocent children of God above reproach. In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, you will appear as lights to the world. Like, I love this. Church, you and I have this call in our life for the sake of the gospel. Why does this matter? Why does my life matter? Your life matters because you are God's plan for salvation. You are God's plan to lead people to the cross. You are God's plan to lead people to the goodness of God. We plant and we water, and it is God who brings the increase. We have a part, not in the salvation part, but we have a part in being in the image of Christ. We have a part of being salt and light. We have a part to appear in the world as light. Your life matters because people need Jesus. Your life matters because people need the Lord. Because people are lost and people are hurting and people are broken and people need Jesus. Watch this, watch this, watch this. And I can't think of a time that is more crooked and more perverse. I can't think of a time where there are more lies being told daily from government and from school. I can't think of a time that is more immoral and more perverse and more crooked than it is today. And you are called to stand firm and be a light in the midst of all of that. There will be some who will reject truth, but there will be some who say, man, what is this? What is this you're preaching? What is this? The gospel? I'm drawn to this truth. What is going on? There will be many who will come to Christ because of you and you appear as a light in the midst of all of the darkness, in the midst of all of the lies, in the midst of all the perverse, in the midst of all of the crazy. There you are standing as a light. Innocent, blameless, and above reproach. Your life matters, church. What you do, it matters for the sake of the gospel. You've got to get this. You've got to get this. What are you doing 
and being blameless? And what are you doing and being innocent? What are you doing to be one who is above reproach? If you're the one at the water cooler and all you're doing is gossiping about everybody else, they're never going to listen to you when it comes to the gospel. If you're the one lying to your boss, they're never going to listen to you when it comes to the gospel. When you're the one cheating, they're never going to listen to you when it comes to the gospel. If you're the one drunk at a bar, they're never going to listen to you when it comes to the gospel. You are called to be blameless and innocent and above reproach in the midst of all of the crazy, in the midst of the perversion, in the midst of the crookedness and the lies and the deceit. You're called to be above reproach. Why? Because people need Jesus. This is a reality check. You mean I can't just live life the way I want to? No. You cannot. For the sake of the gospel. One last verse and then we'll close in the song. Matthew chapter 5, you know it well. This is Jesus speaking to the crowds. Matthew 5, 13, you know it well. He says this, you are salt of the earth. If the salt has become tasteless, how is it made salty again? For it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Church, what happens when you become unashamed of the gospel? What happens when you become fearless? What happens when you allow this to just sit and soak in your spirit to say, wait a minute, am I that light on a hill? Am I that salt that preserves truth in the midst of a crooked and perverse and decaying generation? Am I going to get in the way of that? Wait a minute, my life matters. For the sake of the gospel, I will be unashamed of the gospel. And for the sake of the gospel, I will be a light on a hill for all to see. And then he says so beautifully in verse 16, Jesus says, let your light shine before man in such a way. In such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before man in that crooked and perverse generation that you would appear as lights to the world and let your light shine in such a way. That's amazing. Is your light shining in such a way that they would see your good works and they would in turn glorify God? Just what happens when you grasp this this morning this afternoon and you would say, oh, wait a minute, I need to rearrange some things for the sake of the gospel. Come on, if we could just stand to our feet, please. Man, if you need prayer for any reason, as we sing this song, this is a BC song, the BC worship uh, wrote this song. I love this song. And it speaks of God's faithfulness is like the sunrise. Like as much as you never think about the sun. Like I never, I didn't, I didn't go to bed last night going, I wonder if the sun's going to rise today. Like you know it's going to rise and God's faithfulness is that. So in that, when you see where, where you are in this message, it, man, I've been praying through this and God that you would move in a powerful way today as we preach your words so direct and so straight to say, God, do I do things for the sake of the gospel? Do I realize that it is my life that matters now?
because people need Jesus. That's why I live my life in a way because people need Jesus. I've been married to this woman for 29 years and we have said from the beginning in the middle of our in the middle of our wedding we had a whole worship set because our wedding is a wedding and our marriage is all about Jesus. I get it. It's not about just Renee and I. How we do in our marriage is a reflection of Christ in the church and I want people to be drawn to Jesus because of our marriage for the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the gospel. There's things that I can't do that I want to do why for the sake of the gospel. Not even that that it would be sin. Just for the sake of the gospel, I will not, because people need Jesus. Church, what happens when you begin to rearrange your life as a born-again believer in Christ to say, man, I've made this thing about me. Shame on me. It's time to wake up tomorrow and say, God, for the sake of the gospel, dot, dot, dot. It'll rearrange something.